do I spend on your podcast? A monthly show brought to you by the Spencers of Horror. This is a time once a month where Jess puts down her bloody knitting needles and I step away from the TV to discuss horror, cult, and subversive cinema with thoughtful analysis, research, and passion. In this episode, we're exploring the vast, terrifying depths of the dark ocean waters with two very special guests from the horror queers, Joe and Trace. We are talking aquatic horror with our two films, 47 Meters Down from 2017 and Orca from 1977. So take a deep breath as we discuss these films, as well as the topics of thalassophobia and the demonization of animals in media. So pick your poison and listen on if you dare. I'm going to have a really hard time saying that word throughout this episode, Kelly. (laughs) I love it. You're basically just like me, Jess. It's very much an emphasis on the wrong syllable situation. It's like thalassophobia. 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 There you go. Yeah, you got it. Uh, okay, so we have guests today because we're still celebrating our five-year anniversary. And of course, to celebrate our five years, we need to have extra special guests and our honorary spinsters for today. So Joe, Trace, hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Thank so, you much so much for, for having, having us. us. <laughs> yes, I feel like this is a long overdue collaboration. Oh, I, rem- I remember when I came up with the idea for like our like what we wanted to do for our five-year anniversary and i remember saying to kelly like we have to get the horror queers like i I really want to do a crossover (laughs) episode with the horror queers we're like okay five years because you guys like we've been kind of like side and side doing this together like Mm -hmm. with your podcast is also going to be coming up to five years or if if you already haven't passed the five-year mark january will be five years for us so we're in our fifth year but like the actual anniversary is in january yeah yeah that's incredible it's quite the feat for a podcast five years is a lot and you guys coming to five years whoo yeah, I think when we started this, um, I was always like, oh, yeah, like if we could make it to five years, that'd be great. <laughs> Trace was like, I'm ready to pull the plug after like a year if this isn't feeling great. I, I think in my mind, I'm always like, well, surely we're going to run out of horror movies to talk about yes. and apply a queer lens to. And like, then nope. like, because we always plan our schedules like in, a, in year chunks. So every October, November, we're like, okay, what's what's our next year of films? And I'm always like, oh, we're running out, we're running out. Oh, wait, no, there's like, you know, no. hundreds and thousands of horror movies out there. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. So, so many. And you guys always have content coming out with not just mm-hmm. like your regular podcast episodes, but you also have like the Patreon, you do the like sneak peeks <laughs> and special exclusives and commentaries. Like you guys are like on top of everything and always busy. Thank you. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, it's usually me being like, hey, we should take on another project and Trace being like, or could we just stick with the amount of content we're putting out right now? <laughs> but it is true. As, as long as studios keep putting out, or I'm sorry, studios or filmmakers mm-hmm. keep making horror films, we will constantly have Patreon content for our listeners. Right. Oh. Shout out to the strike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, we've now just chatted about your Patreon and your podcast, but for those that don't know you two, and if they don't, I don't know what rock they're living under, but could you please tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast and your Patreon? Absolutely. Yeah. So we are a queer horror podcast, shockingly, since we're called Horror Queers. 
but each week we either look at a film that is explicitly queer, it's coded queer, it has queer creatives, or it just has a high camp value. And we unpack it in a lot of detail in much the same way that the two of you do your podcast. And then we also have a Patreon where we look at new films. And then we have audio commentaries where people can watch along and listen to us as we gab over top of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> confirmed. And you guys also bo- both still do writing as well for Bloody Disgusting. And confirm. Because... Yeah, Joe true. more so than I. Um, I, I definitely have like, start, as the years have gone on, I've been more into like, I'm just going to be podcasting like mode. Oh, but, um... come on, Trace. Trace <laughs> is like his own worst self-critic. He still does a lot of festival coverage when yeah. it works with his schedule, but he still has a day job, whereas I am a full-time podcaster and writer so I just have more time to do different types of writing. Basically, yeah. I can understand that. Totally. I have like, I think Kelly and I have had the same journey as well with our podcast and coming to points where like what we, in the beginning coming out, we're like putting out so much content because we want, you know, want to mm-hmm, be noticed mm-hmm. and heard or get our voices out there and kind of really set the the brand. And then over the years, as like we've kind of, kind of reevaluating the mission of the podcast and our yeah. goals and then also like our own careers and our lives, we've kind of like, you know, making decisions on where we're putting our energy forward. And I think this year we've been putting, we both both kind of decrease some of our writing and really been putting a lot of our energy into like the podcast and the things that right. we love about it, especially like the new direction that we're, we're taking it in. Well, why don't we get into this then? So when we were thinking about what we would cover for this episode, we thought, Jess and I, that it would be best to ask you to, because again, yeah, you are very busy for your own show and you guest on a lot of other podcasts, but if there's something specific that you wanted to talk about and it was aquatic horror. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? first so why did you want to talk about aquatic horror why was that something that like maybe you're a super fan of it but why did you choose aquatic horror you know whenever joe and i first started like getting together to collaborate first uh, with the article series that we based our podcast on we agreed immediately on two things you know things that bonded us and it was our two favorite both of our two favorite subgenres were slashers and aquatic horror and we feel like aquatic horror doesn't always get talked about enough i mean slashers mm-hmm. of course like even in, like the mainstream slashers are on the rise I mean, look at the popularity, the repopularity of the Scream franchise now. So any chance we get to talk about and defend aquatic horror films, because I feel like it's often always looked at as like a B-movie type thing, but much like creature features in general are. Yeah. But as we'll talk about with at least one of the films we're, we're t- discussing today, they can be very effectively horrifying and scary. And um, so that, that, <laughs> I'm interested to see which one Trace is like, this one is effective. This one, maybe not so much. <laughs> no, no, no. So fun fact, one of these was a first time watch for me. I actually really liked it, Joe. Like I oh, was quite surprised okay. how much I liked it. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yeah, but no, I mean, aquatic horror is one of those things where I think people immediately gravitate to something like, oh, Jaws, or maybe in contemporary versions, they think of something like Alexander Aja's Crawl. But it's actually a surprisingly deep subgenre. And yeah, people tend to write it off as either less than or, you know, we just get this litany of shitty shark movies and people think, oh, well, the special effects are garbage and there's no characterizations. So I think people just Mm -hmm. need to broaden their horizons a little bit and recognize what's fun about aquatic horror, but also that there are some surprisingly good entries into the Mm -hmm. subgenre. Yes, I I want to say I agree with all of that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is not to say there aren't like less wow. than or people. Oh, there's no, some no, no. shit entries for but sure. No, no, no. I know. I and, and I'm not saying that I don't like disagree <laughs> with you guys and like because I have a love hate relationship with aquatic horror and Ooh. I think it's something because 
this is something that Kelly and I bond over as well, but in a very different way. Like it terrifies me. Like aquatic horror effectively scares me the way a horror movie does, but I think it like exacerbates my fear of dark water. Like I think in some of the movies we've watched, I've realized I'm like, Oh no, I think I do have a thalassophobia because it just like, it's so intense when I'm finished a movie, like the anxiety of a horror movie I go through, I just, I just carries with me until the end of the movie. And then when I see dark water, I see the ocean. I'm just like, you're terrifying. I love yeah. you, but you're terrifying. I think that that's why I, I think that's why we we also separate aquatic horror from just a creature feature because a aquatic horror doesn't have to always involve a creature, but there's mm-hmm. something about the water in general. Be it if you're underwater in the depths or if you're just out in the open sea, like it's isolating. So there's already something inherently scary about the setting, and so yeah. when you add a second uh, element to that, be it a creature, be it a sinking mm-hmm. ship or uh, mm-hmm. the alien or whatever, it compounds it. And so yeah. that, that, I think that's why I, I like it so much. <laughs> yeah, me too. And also I feel like like my my spiritual sister for this is that I also love space movies, but it feels like mm. we just don't get a lot of space horror mm-hmm. because it's exponentially more expensive. Whereas mm. like you can throw actors into CGI water or like a pond over in the UK and then make a whole movie out of it. So that's one of the reasons why I end up gravitating to it because it just feels like we get more of it. Like, I really wish space horror would make more of a comeback. But until then, I've got Aquatic. It's interesting that you say that, too, because of both of these movies. I was like, these must have been so expensive to make. And when you look at the budgets for each one, like... (laughs) They are cheap. Yeah, which granted, though, maybe for the one that we're talking about, that's a 70s film, like, the inflation will matter. But Mm -hmm. nevertheless, like, both of them, I was shocked at how good both of them looked for the budgets they had. Oh, Mm -hmm. for sure. For sure. I love that you brought up space because that's exactly how I feel is that, uh, and I agree that there should be more space horror movies, but good point on the, the, uh, the cost of it. But I, it's that whole idea, like the vastness and darkness of the water of space. There's always like this, you're going to run out of time. There's, oh, they're going to run out of oxygen, the isolation, maybe the lack of knowledge of your surroundings. Like how much do we know about the depths? How much do we know about deep space? Uh, so the abyss and sometimes, yes, there's creatures, maybe not always, but just just the vastness of it. The creatures aren't what bother me unless they're xenomorphs. And that's like a whole different story. But in aquatic horror, the, the creatures or the animals don't really get me. It's just the vastness like being left out in the middle of the water. Like what did I, one of the movies I watched this month was Open Water. Very simple concept, very effective for me because they just, they're divers, they get left in the middle of the ocean by the boat. Like they just leave. And I was like, oh my God, like nightmare fuel. These movies are pure nightmare fuel for me. So we move into talking about our first movie then. It's gonna be the best vacation ever. Seriously, you have to try. I don't even know how to dive. It's totally safe. Okay. It's like you're going to the zoo, except you're in the cage. I don't know about this. Welcome aboard. There, look. It's huge. Remember, the faster you breathe, the faster you use up your air. Trust me, once you're down there, you're not going to want to come back up. It kind of takes your breath away. Oh my god. Like the biggest shark. Can you take a picture of me? Sorry, sorry. We would like to come back up now. I'm bringing you back up. Oh my god. 
to the top. Seven meters down. The Spinster's pick, which was uh, 47 meters down from 2017. And I also know that there is an uncaged version from 2019, which you guys have already covered earlier on yeah. in the podcast. So we did. Yeah. 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 We, we're, we're, spoiler alert. We are big fans of both of these movies. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> When we saw that you picked this, I was just like, oh, yes, it's so delightful <laughs> because we haven't had a chance to really talk about it apart from initial, you know, hey, what did you think right. about this movie? Now let's talk about the sequel. So it's fun that we actually get to dive into, mm, dive into it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, that's great. Um, so why don't we get talk about our likes and dislikes but first i do have a little story okay Ooh. tell us your story first so last summer i went to to visit jess in ottawa and i chose an aquatic horror double feature night and we just about died i think a part of our soul left our body when we watched so we paired this one with the shallows and holy moly <laughs> both first time watches and we wanted to die especially with this one so as soon as you folks said aquatic horror I was like we gotta do 47 meters down absolutely because that one was super super effective I think for both of us and oh boy the anxiety and the dread that that movie fills me with I am in complete agreement with you about how anxiety inducing this movie is so fun fact so this movie was not supposed to go to theaters it uh, was supposed it was like a dimension films thing and it was supposed to go straight to DVD in like August of 2016. And so they actually sent out digital screeners for this movie to some critics. But for some reason, either right before, or right after that, um, they sold it to this Entertainment One company. And they saw this and they were like, wait a minute, this is good enough to put in theaters. So they pulled the VOD, the, 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 the straight to DVD date, and they said, we're going to release this the next summer of 2017. But they'd already sent out some screeners. So I actually saw this movie months before it came out on my couch, watching it like on my computer. And I had trouble breathing during portions of this movie because I yeah. found them so effective. Like there are issues with this movie. There are flaws. I'm sure we'll oh, talk sure. about the ending, but like, yeah. it's definitely a case where the effectiveness of this movie trumps any kind of flaws the movie has to where I do really, really think this is a great aquatic horror film. And I will 100% agree with you. Like when Kelly was saying earlier, when we watched this together in, on my couch, I was like clutching the pillow the whole time and just trying to remind myself to breathe. And because it wasn't, and it's funny because often some people think like, oh, with aquatic horror, you're like, you're afraid of like the sharks. I wasn't afraid of the sharks mm -hmm. in this movie. The sharks no. were not what I was concerned about. I was- They're freaking, secondary. <laughs> they're secondary. They're just like, yeah. for me, it's just like, you are trapped in a shark cage at the bottom of 47 minutes down on an ocean floor. You have no idea if there's a ledge there that you can tumble down and just get pulled mm -hmm. even further, which we see like when she at one point swimming over the chasm and it's like just a drop darkness mm -hmm. all around you like the whole time i'm just like 
those sharks coming out of the darkness always gets me because it's so effective because I'm terrified of what creatures exist under there. And it's so funny, Joe, because we had just discussed Meg to the trench on our Patreon feed and how right. horribly lit some of the trench segments are. Oh my are. God. Isn't this lit so much better? Like even though like <laughs> yeah. even in the moments where it's supposed to be dark and you can't see what's around you, like you, it still feels like you can see things. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, and I would argue that one of the things that makes this film so effective is the direction by Johan Robert. Mm -hmm. he moves the camera in such a way or he positions like the framing of it from either above the girls or you know he finds ways to make it visually interesting even though we're really doing a kind of fixed location like single spot horror film and i think that there's something so incredibly claustrophobic but also it's still visually dynamic to watch which i think yeah. is a really impressive feat considering that this is clearly just like two actresses in a fake cage in the bottom of a tank in yep. the uk yeah those are those are such great points and it is so effective like i think of the times when one of the girls is just has her flashlight looking around it was like you're not going to see anything like you're too far down it's too dark it also makes it worse and i don't normally jump at jump scares every single damn jump scare in this movie i jump my anxiety is already super heightened <laughs> It's already like I'm already heightened. So every single time I'm like, oh, God, of course, like the very first jump scare when she drops the camera in the cage. Oh, yeah. Every single jump scare gets me. And it just is is wild. And I thought it was also it was very effective. And there was this other time, too. This adds into the whole like, you know, the space horror, the isolation, the vastness of it. When I think it's Lisa, Mandy Moore's character, I mean, she they think that the the other divers come down to help them. So she crosses, not to mention that massive drop off that made me want to die. But she crosses and then wants to go back. But she can't figure out which direction she's in and which direction she's facing. And I was like, oh, oh boy, my heart's just racing. Like it was wild. So you're right. They're just in a tank. But I like absolutely not do I believe they're in a tank right now. But his camera work captures that very well. Like, again, mm -hmm. like, it, it, this movie is just such a good job of, of transferring the character's fear and anxiety onto the audience. And that's why I also wanted to bring up just the character of Lisa in general, because a lot of people who either even did, did like this movie or didn't like this movie complained about the character of Lisa oh, saying she was either off. too whiny, she was so annoying, or no. maybe she, she's narrating mm -hmm. too much, but she shouldn't be narrating for the audience's sake. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe, but you try going 47 meters down underwater being in that situation <laughs> and not freaking the fuck out. I would I would be Lisa's character. And I remember re-watching this on my own with Kelly and I'd just be like, I would just let the sharks eat me. I would just be like, let me die. <laughs> I don't want to deal with it. Let the sharks eat me. I don't want to deal with this because there's no possibility. I'm too paranoid and there's no mm -mm. possibility that someone actually being able to find me because like, you know, Kelly's mentioning, like you don't know where you are and when they're dropping the tanks down to like help mm -hmm. them, it's just dropping at further locations location like so it's like you really have to like trust the ability that you're someone's gonna find you and in the ocean it's so deep and dark you don't know if you're gonna be found and that and i kind of want to bring up so we kind of like to talk about various topics or things that we find interesting about the films that we watch and one of the things that kelly and i often talk about and we kind of like probably like freak ourselves out and probably shouldn't do it much anymore because it's probably exacerbating the fact that you know <laughs> we probably have like slightly so thalassophobia greek origins thalassa 
This is not good for a person with a slight list. Uh, thalassa <laughs> yeah. equal, meaning C and phobia eating fear. And it is often, it is the, the fear of deep, dark waters. And it's not to be uh, confused with aquaphobia, which is an actual fear of water. It is really just a fear of deep, dark waters, this, you know, profound sense of the fact that the ocean is so big and vast and there's this like mm-hmm. underworld that you can't see anything. And it's just, just this dread of what hides beneath it and the isolation and Often a lot of folklore and ancient mythology deals with this idea of thalassophobia because of trying to build up these legends of these monsters and to kind of like warn people to stay out of the sea. But at the right. same time, too, though, it's <laughs> and it can be triggered by anything from watching a video, looking at a picture, and it just causes this overwhelming anxiety and just like irrational fear. So when Lisa's freaking out, a part of me is like, I would be having even more of a freak out. I would literally be like, yes. you cannot move me from this spot. I am sorry. Yeah, I would say I don't think I have thalassophobia because I... I mean, I generally would avoid the ocean and a, and a lake, but it hasn't prevented me from doing things. Though when I was doing things, like I went whale watching once, I was very uneasy about it. I was like really uncomfortable, but I was excited because I was seeing whales. Like I will do things. There's the odd time I've been like in a small boat. I've done a canoe trip with an old partner. So like I've done things, but boy, was I very uneasy about it. And I can't stop looking at the water. Like just, it's like, if you're afraid of heights, don't look down. I was like, I can't not stare deep into the abyss, I guess, until it stares back at me. But uh, it uh, it just is I'm so uncomfortable about it but it doesn't prevent me from doing it would I avoid it yes would I ever do that shark experience no but would I go onto a boat again yes but generally speaking I do try to avoid it <laughs> the thing though right I mean like I, I think it's normal to say oh I'm afraid of that sure. I mean I'm sure some people mm-hmm. are, some people are like you know like be like oh I'm not afraid of that whatever but like the phobia is like yo you're like a petrifying fear like you would like yeah. I always I always go back to um Jeff Daniels's character in arachnophobia which because I, I feel like the it word paralyzes is like, him yeah like he, it, there's that moment where like fighters crawling up is like yeah he can't move it's like that is a phobia. <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly. I think we we sometimes make light of phobias because obviously it's normal to be afraid of spiders. It's normal to be afraid of like the deep sea, but does it actually have like a physical reaction with your body to have that? And, and it can, like this type of phobia, mm-hmm. like even though it's not recognized as a distinct disorder in the Diagnostic Manual of Mental Disorders, it's considered like an environmental phobia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me, but you okay. can exhibit uh, symptoms, like people who do experience uh, the lassalophobia, experience intense fear and anxiety, dread, panic, the fear of losing control. Some people can't sleep. It causes like, they really just want to avoid it. The physical symptoms would be like that of a panic attack, you know, confusion, uh-huh. Chills, okay. mm-hmm. chest pains, rapid breathing, nausea. And yeah, like the triggers can really be anything from seeing an image, like just giant bodies of water, boats. Uh, some people can swim. Like, I think I may have it because I don't like being on boats. I absolutely, the, the thought of being on a boat in on a water just terrifies me, which is interesting because as a kid growing up, I used to go boating all the time. I used to go fishing. And then I know that something must have happened down the road that I was like, I don't like any of this. I don't like the yeah, idea of being on a off. boat. I don't like scuba diving. So I watch movies with submarines and like anything that goes under the ocean. I'm just like, I can't, I, I can't do it. It's just too much. Like I realized the other day that I don't like going over bridges over big, large bodies of water. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I always get this image in my head that we're going to like crash off the side of the bridge and, and go, go down to the water and that's it. And it's a, it, but it's interesting because the only way you can really treat it to is with like 
exposure therapy. You just have to just keep desensitizing yourself (laughs) or they say relaxation and breathing techniques, like as you're going in, which obviously like over this bridge, I'm doing breathing exercises. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep driving. Just keep driving. Yeah. Which again, it makes it, it makes it so easy for people to be like, oh, Mandy Moore, shut up. And it's like, okay, but like, not only is she having you have like, no idea, clearly like a panic attack down there, but it's also like, the, the, as we have been told multiple times throughout this film, how like the, the, the sudden drop to the depths can affect your brain. Yeah. yeah. No, I, it's such a great point about her character because she, again, she does way better than I would in that situation. Like, again, I probably wouldn't have put myself in that situation to begin with. But if I, if I did and that happened, like I'm just like, just eat me sharks. I, or can you die of fear? I don't think so. But I was like, I think I might've had like a severe panic attack. Like it would be really wild, but I, maybe I would go into like survivor mode. Like, I don't know, but I think I would probably just want to die as their tank is dropping. I want to die. Every time. Um, Joe, I know you're a swimmer, right? Like how, how you and Trace, like how do you feel about like the dark depths? Is that something that bothers you personally? So I've never done scuba diving. I've done snorkeling and I found that snorkeling is a, it's kind of that exposure therapy that you might bear well with Jess where you're like you're sticking your toe in. Well, in this case, your face in, but you're still very, <laughs> very close to the surface. But yeah, the idea of scuba diving actually fills me with a certain amount of anxiety because it's the the relying on a tank of air mm-hmm. to breathe. Like I'm not scared of open water in the way that it sounds like maybe the two of you are, but the idea of having to be reliant on something else to breathe for long periods yeah. of time is what makes me clench up. I'm the exact same way. I'm, I've been snorkeling and you know, it, when I go snorkeling, it's like, oh, I'm like, in Mexico on a trip and I go on excursion. And so they bring you to like a designated snorkeling place. I'm not just oh like God, free Trace, You're just describing the movie. That's what happens <laughs> in the movie. I know, I know, I know, I know. You're right, you're right. But when it comes to scuba diving, so my, my father and sister like, have their license to go scuba diving. They've gone scuba diving in Mexico, just like this movie. I've never wanted to pull the trigger on that, mostly because I haven't wanted to go through the training for it. But similar right. to Joe, it's not really the fear of the depths. Although granted, like if I'm out there and like I look into the water and I'm like, oh wow, there's nothing there no bottom <laughs> that, 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 i'm kind of like ugh. but um but yeah no the idea of scuba diving which i, I think the experience i actually would enjoy but mm-hmm. there is that fear of like if just one thing went wrong and i get it yes. you know that, that's why you have training certification classes but there are other factors that could make that go wrong and i'm sure there's like thousands of scuba divers out there that are like okay but really Shut they're up, like it's that, that <laughs> And you bring up a really good point about like the things that happen in this film. You're watching these young women, Lisa and Kate, like all in this adventure. Like it looks like to escape her, you know, ex-boyfriend who doesn't think mm-hmm. she's fun anymore. So she's yeah. like, let's go on this scuba diving trip with locals. But at the same time, too, you're not trained. And like I've no. known people who have taken scuba diving lessons and the gear and stuff like that. And there's like a whole sort of like Lisa took the course. But even as like the person who's taken the course, you should have not have brought on with you your sister who hasn't who doesn't have any knowledge about what mm, could kate. happen down there kate, like kate took kate, the course lisa's kate, the inexperienced sorry one. thank you but, yes thank but, you no, but, but i do that right, all though. the time <laughs> but normally i again because i haven't been scuba diving so i can't say but i feel mm. like i feel like they would say do you have your certification or yeah. or they would offer you like a, a quick intro course like over the course of a day i mean fuck when you go snow well, skiing they're like hey here's a day yeah. course for you to go learn to <laughs> snow ski really quick yeah i mean like, this 
this film, I think, is passing a certain amount of, I don't want to say xenophobia, but it's definitely a it little is. bit of a critique. Like, oh, you go to Mexico and the security standards are just a little bit more lax. So sure, the fact that Lisa hasn't done her scuba diving training, Matthew Modine is just kind of fine with it. And yeah. you're like, ooh, these girls well, should have known better. It, at least he's white, though. <laughs> well, there is that. There is that, yeah. Well, there, it, they do bring up like a, a good point about like, you know, trusting when you're going like two young women going out on a foreign trip and mm -hmm. taking you know luxuries at like oh well i'm just gonna go and go and do this like off course scuba diving experience with these locals and not really even though like they're warned do not do anything outside of the hotel yep. without the hotel because there is that creating that fear again of like yep. something could happen to you and no one will know and these 100%. locals like they don't they don't have any needs to have to watch you or save you or take care of you you die in the ocean you're like oh well two white girls once again got lost in mexico the opening of this film reminds me so much of the ruins where yeah. you're just like yes. white people on vacation in mexico stay on the fucking resort yeah that is a sketchy as fuck situation that they those girls get themselves in i mean i'm glad you brought up the point of scuba diving like there's some quite rigorous training that you need to go through. This is like, this is serious. Joe, you mentioned like the oxygen and like dealing with pressure gauges and you know, it's very intense. And so just winging it, no, don't do that. But also that boat, they're just like randos with a boat. They're like, yeah, look at this rusty cage and this rusty hinge and this rusty everything. I mean, I love that Lisa is the very cautious one and watching this, I really felt like it was you and I, Jess, doing this where you're yeah. Lisa and I'm Kate being like, Whatever, let's, let's just, just do, do it. it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's live, live. <laughs> have fun, live the experience. I'm like, we're gonna die down there. We're gonna die. No, and then you're right. Do it wrong. Course. We're not boring. Come on, let's get in the water. Oh fuck. Well, I will say though, because again, part of the suspense comes from not only the alcohol, they're reducing air tanks, they're sharks, but also is Matthew Modine just going to leave them there? And uh, I love that the film does build suspense off of that. And I'm shocked but happy that he never does. Although yeah. he mm. waits way too long to. So long. Oh, oh my god. god. And he should have just like called the Coast Guard like right away. Well, right? he has the second winch. Come on. I mean, my favorite part of this, this movie has so many fucking great set pieces. It's one of those mm -hmm. calamity things where every time it feels like they make an inch, they fall back Ugh. a complete mm -hmm. foot. Ooh, yeah. I always forget that they start to get up and then they drop uh, the tank yeah. and it crushes Lisa's leg. Uh, I always uh, forget about don't. that part. Yeah. yeah. Just adding to it. And like I said, like <laughs> Kelly and I have like watched enough videos when we, we probably shouldn't have. Like I said, we used to have a spooky stories during the pandemic. Pandemic, and we would do themes and one of our uh, people who would come to the spooky stories would come and bring in like videos of like things down in the ocean like deep dark Ooh. steps and like you know scary stories of people being like jumping because like, there's certain areas that you can't scuba dive in the world because of the fact there's currents that will grab you and pull yes. you under and then you're just you're, yeah. you just can't do anything so you add that in and it's just like oh the whole time just being like this, this is just too much like there's there's so much being warned to us about throughout this film about like you know the dangers of like going off uh, brand when you're off <laughs> yeah exactly X Y Z um yeah so I love that you brought up our spooky stories Jess because watching this movie again remind me of this one video which is extra terrifying um and so unfortunately it's a video where somebody dies in it but it's Ooh. a I think he, it was a video of a guy and he had like a chess cam or something like that. But he was, I think he was an experienced diver and it was like this really, really like deep kind of drop off, big dive and everything. But 
something happens. I don't remember exactly what happens, but he starts to he starts to descend too quickly. Yeah. And he gets Ooh. what they mentioned in this movie. They'd mentioned the beds, the beds which is decom- yep. decompression, illness. So when you go up, but when you go, definitely when you go down too fast, you can get n- nitrogen narcosis, which mm. has an anesthetic effect, but it makes you very disoriented. Like it's already disorienting Oof. to be that deep when everything just looks like up and down and left and right. Everything is the same, but you get this disorienting, like drunken kind of feel and mm-hmm. you watch this kind of happen in the video and he like hits this one point where it's like not like the i think guess that he hits like a point where it's not like the bottom bottom but a place where he can just mm-hmm. rest but like it's so dark and it's horrifying and i just felt that way watching this movie it's just like you're gonna die down here you're gonna die down here like how how and i yeah. love like you said that the movie, I think, is is quite effective in showing like real life dangers, but also like just the reality of what you're doing. And I love that they did bring up like the bands and nitrogen narcosis. It's like that's all very serious stuff. And like the random stuff in space, like you got to deal with that as well. But it's I feel like this movie was pretty good with being based in reality, even though it's like a horror movie. It's like this fantastical kind of situation, but it's also really not. And I think that's why it's so effective for me. Is that and it creates that suspension so well. Oh yeah. Like I watch after watching this again, I'm not gonna watch any other deep dark movies. Like I, I thought like this month, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna watch The Abyss again because it's been a while since I've seen The Abyss, because it's like a three-hour movie, but like it is dealing with the same dark thing. I, I just can't handle dark water um yeah. movies. It just like they just bring my anxiety so up. So I'm just like, you know what? I'll just stick with like the more of the creature features, mythical sea creatures and stuff like that for the rest of the month because <laughs> I watch 47 <laughs> meters down. I'm reminded of how much I'm and I'm like, you know yeah. what? I'm good. I don't need to do another yeah. one. <laughs> I will say too, I think the sharks look I mean for being CGI they sharks, I think oh, they yeah. look really good. And, and I think yeah. it's coupled with the fact that we are in like, the dark murky water. But again, like we're looking at dark murky water that is lit fairly well in my opinion and the cgi Mm -hmm. sharks look totally fine (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i mean i think as scary as this film is i kind of want to come back to the issue that you raised trace that people have with the film which is that many more talks to herself a bunch because she's by herself for large Mm -hmm. portions of the film and i think that to critique that is not irresponsible but to me it suggests that maybe you haven't add those kinds of experiences like when i'm working through something and i'm by myself i frequently talk to myself Mm -hmm. Uh, and i can take people's point that the end of this film feels like a bait and switch Uh where you know you think she's gotten out but it turns out it's all hallucination because she's she's got the bend she's running low on oxygen and so on but i think that with regard to like nightmare logic in films, this is actually a pretty reasonable one. And I do think that it builds off the sister relationship, which to me is the core foundation of this film. The reason this works is because we care about both Lisa and her sister. Yeah. Yes, I, I have I have responses to all of those things. Okay. So yeah. I, her talk her talking to herself, I agree with you, but also we they're never sure if they're in range of someone else's radio. Yes. So it makes sense they would want to keep talking in the hopes that someone will eventually they hear pick someone. up on their voice. Yeah. Exactly. The Ben's okay, so the big twist of the film, yes. Like basically you have a 12-minute sequence in this at the end of this film that is complete hallucination. This would bother me more if A, there wasn't like an actual like physiological medical reason for it. And, yeah, yes. the film takes it a little bit too far, but 
if y'all saw the movie Fall that came out uh, a year or two ago, like it does the exact same thing, but there's not mm-hmm. really a medical reason for it outside of anxiety. So I also, that it, movie is still really good. And yes. if you have a fear of heights like me, you will practically wet the couch with sweaty Ooh. palms. Oh, yes, shit. very much. Very like, yeah, there'll be scenes where they're like looking down and you're like, you get that oh. pit in your stomach when you're falling on a roller coaster. But anyway, but also like the, the film cues you into the bends like for the entire fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's even the point where he says, I, I'm sending you this oxygen tank, but I didn't do this before because it's going to increase the chance of this. Mm-hmm. And literally when you when she clicks that thing after her sister dot die well she does die that that's when the hallucination starts immediately almost (laughs) yes and it also ties into the idea though as we said her boyfriend thought she was too boring she wasn't fun enough so her character completely changes in that hallucination where she becomes like the the big strong superhero and it it, and you're like as a movie watcher you're like yes this is what i want but then in real life you're kind of like oh but that doesn't really make any sense because this is not who this character is and unfortunately as much as we want to believe a traumatic situation would make someone rise to the occasion that's not always the case so while i could see how people might feel this is a cheap the movie gives you enough clues it makes sense from a medical standpoint and again from a character reasoning like i kind of like that this is like how she wants to view herself in those final moments yeah i really love that point because as someone who's watching the movie and is already being like, just give up because you're in this situation. A part of me wants to believe that you will get out, right? There's always that small yeah, sliver always. of hope that you will somehow, someone will find you and you'll survive and you're right. Mm-hmm. But like, there's also in the back of my mind being like, you're in the deep, dark fucking ocean. You're, you're fucking dead. You're fucking dead. There's literally no way. So like, I love the, for myself, like I personally love the ending because I love that we see that. Yeah. There's that possibility, maybe that hope, but then it gets ripped away mm-hmm. from you and you're just like, <laughs> like it hurts too, right? It like hurts. it's, it's actually really painful when that moment happens you're like oh fuck! Yeah. i was right there with her i wanted to believe that and this was makes, actually happening and it yeah. makes kate's death also more traumatic because yes. like, like, she was mm-hmm. like you would think that she would be the one to survive because she is the yep. trained professional she knows what she's doing and she is the one who gets taken out by the shark and yep. it's mm-hmm. lisa is the one who's left Ooh. and they're like Oof. And the hallucination that does give this that honestly probably the best shot in the film when they use the flare and like all those sharks. Uh, are just, uh, uh, oh god! <laughs> yes, if you haven't seen the sequel, scene. they do that again. Only it's like an entire set piece, and yes. people think the sequel is very stupid, and it kind of is. Mm-hmm. But also, there's some really good set pieces in that sequel. <laughs> nice. So, so, so Johannes Roberts, who did both 47 Meters Down films, also directed The Strangers Pray at Night. And the way yes. I always describe these yeah. movies is the first one is The Strangers, where it's a more serious approach to the material, and it is very, very effective. Whereas the second one is a bit more of a schlocky B-movie, which I say with love, much like The Strangers Pray at Night. Mm. Should we move on to our next movie, then? The ancient Romans called him Orca Orcinus, Latin for bringer of death. He is without challenge the most powerful animal on the globe, the killer whale. Orca has 48 teeth set in two impressive rows. In some respects, the orca's intelligence may be even superior to man's. They remain loyal to one mate for life. As parents, they are exemplary, better than many human beings. And like human beings, they have a profound instinct for vengeance. An innocent creature is destroyed by an act of human cruelty and the ultimate battle of man against nature begins. Dino De Laurentiis presents Orca. Can you commit a sin against an animal? He followed you. He saw you on the deck of the boat. 
They always remember the human being who had tried to harm them. He deliberately left you your boat because he wants to fight you on the sea. I won't do that. Now the fish have vanished from the fishing grounds. And it's all because of your whale. In fact, I won't fight him at all. You're not even man enough to accept the excitement of his challenge. I'll fight you! You're a vengeful son of a... Orca, starring Richard Harris, Charlotte Rampling, Will Sampson, Keenan Wynn. A spectacular adventure. From the depths of the sea to the top of the world. It's going to be a fair fight on equal terms. A fight to the death. Nolan! Between the two most dangerous animals on Earth. What in hell are you? Man and Orca. So yeah, so our next movie that we're going to be talking about is Orca from 1977. And this was your guys' pick for aquatic horror. So want to kind of give us uh, some reasonings as to why? Because Kelly and I have a lot of things we want to say about this film. But oh, what do you, you, know, you guys have to, have to say for this choice? Because it was interesting for me. Yeah. Who fucking knew that this movie was going to be so timely and relevant? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the, right. Um, it, it is right. Yeah. The main reason that I picked this one. So this was me picking it mm-hmm. specifically because I knew that Trace hadn't seen it. And this was a good excuse oh. to get him to watch it. Oh. But I watched this when we did our Patreon mini-sode on Aquatic Horror. I just went on a tear and tried to watch a bunch to have a bit of deep cuts. Because as I said earlier, I feel like people always gravitate to the same kind of conventional text, which is there's nothing wrong with that. But also... There's a lot of aquatic horror. So I ended up watching this one, Alligator, Humanoids from the Deep, and I ended up really liking all of them. The reason I picked this one is because to me, it feels so different from a lot of other aquatic horror because I am actively rooting for the quote unquote villain of the piece, which is the whale. Yeah, I will say so. I, I really did like this a lot. I mean, look, does it require a lot of it's a bit ridiculous. disbelief? Yeah, sure, whatever. But honestly, it's the whole premise <laughs> of the film. So once once you buy into that, I think you're good. What surprised me about this movie is I was really expecting Richard Harris's character Nolan to be like just a kind of a flat out despicable human being. I mm-hmm. wasn't expecting this emotional journey where he mm. realizes, oh my god, yeah. I done fucked up. But also, and, it's too yes. fucking late. It's yeah. too fucking late. But like. Also, Joe, you were kind of priming me where you were like, oh, it's a little bit talky before we really get to the action of the piece. But honestly, there was, while there may not be a bunch of death that's front loaded, although we get plenty of deaths, I think, in this movie. A lot of deaths, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's so much whale action. I was so Mm -hmm. impressed with the whale footage in this movie. Um, Be it something that was actual, like, orcas. Did they use, like, a fake whale for this? Like They did, yeah. Compare the look of this orca. I mean, You can't tell them apart, except for the fact that basically anytime you're seeing them underwater, those are real orcas at SeaWorld. And anytime Mm. it's breaking the surface, that's the fake one. But there's even, like, there's a shot when the first guy dies... Um, 
um, when he's hanging off the, um, the, the, yeah. the beam of the ship. And yeah. I think the shot when the whale jumps out of the water is a SeaWorld shot, but then it mm-hmm. cuts quickly to the shot where the, the fake whale grabs the guy. Yes. And I was like, that's really good. But, but compare Let's the look of, of the fake whale to the fake shark in Jaws. Doesn't one of them look more like the real thing? Oh, yeah. I, I definitely had moments where I had to, like, as we started watching this film, this was a first-time watch for me, and I remember Kelly, like, messaged me, remind, letting me know, like, it's going to be an emotionally hefty one. I was like, yes. oh, okay. Um, yeah. So going into it, I knew, like, I was as I started watching, I'm just like, wow, I'm having flashbacks to Free Willy when I mm-hmm. as a kid. And I was watching it, and I'm like, this whale footage just looks too fucking real. Like, what is going on? Yes. So I researched it. I'm like, okay, yeah stock footage footage from like national you know um i think aquatic maritime aquatic like they were using yeah the stock footage that like you're saying and then like that, that fake whale looked just so real at points so i was like i'm really kind of upset by because mm-hmm. i was like i really yeah. want to make sure this is not real uh real whale being in this situation so yeah. Yeah, I have lots of like lots of likes with this film <laughs> and obviously the dislikes because, you know, I don't like the demonization of animals in horror movies. It's kind of something that I'm like, you know, because it can create misconceptions about animals, as we know about the whole story of Jaws. But I right. also loved how this story had that emotional element to it when Nolan realizes, oh, I've done fucked up. I need to like make yeah. I need to make amends for what I've done. And we're seeing like and like with you, Joe, I was like the whole time being like, I want this fucking whale to kill. Like I really like this whale deserves its revenge it's a revenge yes. story take your revenge uh, this was a first time watch for me as well so i was very excited about that i wasn't expecting a horror drama title mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i was pleasantly surprised and i did i liked this one quite a lot i mean the first 20 to 30 minutes was devastating to me as, right. a, as a yeah. vegan as an animal lover it was really hard and then i was like angry and tired for the last hour yeah. of the movie <laughs> yeah. it's so a like journey the, it's quite it really was and again i wasn't really expecting that but the pacing was really good i did like like all the acting the score was incredible mm. again good oh, old morricone, yeah. morricone from mm-hmm. everything that we love <laughs> just a lot everything. of italian but it was it was really well done. And I'm like you, Jess, I was really worried because when it does come down to animals in movies and in film and in horror movies, I want to make sure that no animals were harmed. And thankfully, no animals were harmed, which may not be the case for a lot of other like aquatic horror movies that have to deal with animals. But I did definitely look this up. And you are right. The main orcas used for filming were trained animals from marine land of the Pacific and marine world in Africa, which is in Six Flags Discovery Kingdom. They used rubber whales as well. And they did look really good. They did. I agree. That's why I had to look this up. And I was like, no animals better have been fucking harmed in this movie, man. But um, they weren't, which is nice. There was like our quote unquote working captive animals, which is its own problem in and of itself. But at least they weren't harming anybody else. But I thought it was really funny when I looked into this, the models were so lifelike, which they do look really good. I that love animal story. rights, Yeah, animal rights activists block the trucks transporting them because they confuse them for real orcas. God uh-huh. love ya. God <laughs> love ya. 
Practical <laughs> effects, baby. If they remade this movie, they would be CGI and they would look like shit. shit. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally exactly. Agree. So I really appreciated what they did and how they created this movie. Because you're right, there were scenes that, you know, I could tell that they had like implanted some of these scenes of like the, the whales jumping in the water and stuff like that. But it looked really good. So it made mm-hmm. me just like have more respect for this movie as well. And again, really, really liked it. And I agree with everybody about Nolan. Like as soon as he saw me, he's like, oh, it sounds like they're human. And I'm yeah. just like crying and really upset. And I'm just like, yes, you did something really bad. You, you need to, there's consequences to your actions. Though there's a lot of anthropomorphizing I find in, in, in a bunch of these movies as well. I thought it was mm-hmm. all very effective and I appreciate it and respect it. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to piggyback on to Jessica's statement about demonizing of animals. And I think out of all the film, out of all any any creature which I've ever seen, this is the one that does the least because it, as yeah, we've right? all said, it does put you on the side of the orca. But I was curious for all of you, is there a point where you stop feeling for the orca? Because my big surprise in the film was when Charlotte Rampling's character is like, well, sometimes what a, if it's like a human, what a human wants isn't always exactly what, what it, it should have. Oh yeah. yeah, and I'm like, uh, fuck you, bitch, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, when she was like, well, I, her character was interesting to me because yeah, she that's was like, the issue. she's changing, inconsistent. She's inconsistent. Yeah. She's changing her tune. At first, she's all about the orca and be like, when I discover mm-hmm. what Nolan was doing, just trying to pump me for information so that he could capture the orca for money. And then she's like fighting against him and she's like resisting him. And then when things, when things start going down, she's like, you brought this on yourself. This is what you did. Like that. Now the orca is you know it's a sentient being you went after you killed his unborn baby you killed his maid like you get what you deserve and then when she realizes his story about when he comes out and he's like well i realize like it's fine it's all of a sudden she's like oh you're just a damaged hurting male as well so you have a kinship with the orca and maybe we can work things out and then at the end when the the showdown the big showdown between she's like yeah she's like why are you shooting it i'm like uh now you're changed you're complete completely changed your tune you're all because she wants to dick down at that point that's That's what what i'm saying like she's so horny for this guy she's like she's like she's like horned up by tragedy she wants that sad dick Uh, yes your wife and kid were killed in a drug driving accident oh i'm so glad the juices are flowing pretty much yeah that that final scene where he's like like literally be like i'm going to die tomorrow she's like come let me cuddle you in bed naked i'm like oh come on read the room (laughs) by the way though the showdown on that fucking iceberg is awesome like that is really cool Here's the thing, this the set pieces in this film, like there's a bunch of kind of standard issue, you know, oh, somebody's on the wrong part of the boat, the orca jumps up and it yeah. eats them. And sometimes it's fine. Sometimes it gets a little repetitive, mm-hmm. but the standout sequences, like the Bo Derek in the house one, and then oh the my finale God. of this yeah. movie are so fucking good. Poor Bo Derek, man. Like when that I love me- it. It's so mean. <laughs> <laughs> I was just having moments of being like, why would you build a house on wood in water? Like eventually that's going to rot. That's eventually going to collapse upon itself. So not, not really great idea, but I remember these scene when they were having the showdown in the iceberg. And I just kept thinking about Frankenstein, that whole idea of like the, the monster that was created because like no one kind of created this monster in Mm -hmm. the orca because the orca was just doing his own thing. He was just living his life. And all of a sudden you came in, kill his uh, mate and and, um, pup, you know, you've created this monster and you know, the whole like Frankenstein, 
Einstein versus his monster moment in the iceberg was like exactly I really like that in this film kind of referencing that and also like classic Moby Dick moments yeah. of like yeah. he is the ship captain versus his big whale and the big whale is his you know representative of his guilt and his like own like anger and not being able to get revenge on the guy who killed his uh, wife and his own wife and unborn fetus I was also happy I mean and Joe I mean, you, maybe you can speak more to this in, or I, I guess all of y'all are in Canada so more so than me yep. but like we actually have indigenous representation in this movie too which I I, I mean sorry it's but dodgy it's it's yeah. not great but like there no. is representation here Um, also he dies in a horrible like I was like oh, oh that's how he dies yeah <laughs> Jess you briefly brought up talking about this idea that like we created a monster so in a lot of these what I find uh, animal quote when animals attack movies uh, yes the, I feel like we're kind of demonizing animals and nature and uh, so I kind of have a hard time with these movies like I can find them really thrilling and have a good time with them and find them entertaining but then there's always that part of me because vegans can never have full fun um, that I have a hard time and I always have questions and thoughts and feelings about it but it's almost like these sea creatures as monsters which are I think easier to demonize because we know less about yeah. animals mm. in the water like we do know mm. a lot but there's still so much more to learn they're really hard to to learn from right because they there are whales, they dive deep. It's kind of, they're, they're very, they even say like in some research that they're very cultural, they're very social, like they're very interesting, complex animals, but it, it is really hard to study them and fully quote, understand them because they're also so used to mammals that are on land and, you know, our kinship with dogs and cats and stuff like that, but calling them like monsters. So would you guys, uh, my guests or just to you, would you call this movie like a quote monster movie or movies of this kind? Would you call it monster movie? I personally wouldn't. And part of that is because this movie actually gives a, a fairly lengthy part in the early stages. Charlotte Rampling has a lecture where she lays out yes. like the intellectual capacity of an orca so that we understand. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's it's still a bit of a stretch to believe that it would be a proper adversary to Nolan. But I think it does a good job of indicating this is a keen intellect. This isn't just a killing machine like mm -hmm. Jaws, which is a one of the reasons why I don't like people making sort of cheap comparisons like, oh, this is just a knockoff to Jaws. Yeah. Like, actually, yeah. this is a very different kind of movie from yeah. Jaws. Agreed. But I think that's also why I end up rooting for the orca is because it is a complex animal, even though like, yeah, it's definitely scary. We get a lot of pictures of its teeth. But at the end of the day, it also has a motivation that makes a lot of sense to me as a human being. And that's why I end up cheering for it, because even though Nolan becomes a bit of a pathetic character as the film progresses, when we come to understand his own background motivation, the orca to me is is a match for him. So I look at it almost as like a showdown between two equals. Just to piggyback on that, like this movie goes out of its way more so than any other creature feature I've ever seen to equate the, the creature to a human. Even yep. going as far as is they're smarter than humans. I mean, yes. there, there's a part in that mm -hmm. lecture where she's like, you know, like, look at these brains, look how much bigger the orca's brain is than the human's <laughs> yes. brain. Yeah. And how, you know, they can like, they can communicate by looking at another orca and say, oh, I can tell if you have cancer, I can tell how you feel, blah, blah, blah. They don't need to speak they would even think that our our speaking is the r word <laughs> yeah 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 i agree i don't see the orca in this film as a monster at all because especially with like the information that is coming out especially like this is a very current kind of important i don't want to say 
important movie right now, but with like current events happening in the Spanish and Iberian Peninsula there with the two orca pods that are exhibiting behavior that is different. Like it's, it is only happening in this area. It's not happening in the world and any, mm-hmm. any other place in the world It's only in this area and talking about this kind of like how orcas themselves are not any threat to human life. If anything, we're more of a threat to them because of, Always. you know, boat encounters, obviously pollution, entanglement and nets captivity the idea is like nolan was a threat to this orca because he was looking Mm -hmm. to capture this orca and sell it off to make money to pay off his mortgage right so they're just extremely intelligent creatures and what we're seeing in this uh, peninsula is these boats are being they're not being attacked they're actually if anything they're being they're being defended against they're being defended against well there's like two different theories like scientists are really studying this right now because this is interesting behavior that i've never seen before with with orcas and they're like because like no the orcas don't normally bother with humans but they're seeing like they call it two different like hypotheses they call it like the there's a fun fashion hypothesis or this is one pod of juveniles that are starting a trend like they realize that like, they can kind of play with the boat. It's a and fad. This, hey, it, let's take out a boat. Exactly. And they're like, oh, like, this is fine. We just grab the rudder and, you know, this happens when the you know, boat sinks. And then there's the trauma hypothesis that's coming out, which I think is something that we're seeing in More the film likely. Orca itself, where they're protecting themselves. There was this other group, uh, this other pod of killer whales with these various ages, but they had this one adult female called Gladys. Um, and they believe that the pod, when they did make these boats um, rudderless and eventually sinking, it was to protect the older uh, orca because they, they may have had some trauma where they may have had encountered had a negative experience with a boat and they just discovered this by hitting the boat at this certain way caused this hole caused the rudder to stop it caused this thing so like okay this is how we can protect ourselves right you know but when at the end of the day the only violence that's ever happened in between orcas and humans has always been humans against orcas it's never been mm-hmm. this other way around and i think it's interesting that this film you know can kind of have almost like a revival to kind of remind us being like remember guys like these are really intelligent animals and what we're seeing is yeah. like i said again like both kelly and i being vegans like you know these are sentient beings these are animals mm-hmm. that feel pain and feel a lot like can also feel lost they obviously may may not hold the same idea of revenge like we do or understand the concept right. of it you hurt an animal it's gonna bleed it's gonna cry and it's gonna lash out especially if it feels afraid or feel if it feels is under attack yeah and i think this movie does such a good job even in the back half of the film when you maybe start to feel more sympathetic to Nolan because you've gotten to know his struggles. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important in the final climax that we're getting repeated shots of the orca's eye and it's like reflecting Nolan. Like it's really visually matching them, but it's also, I mean, humanizing is a weird word to say about a whale, but it does make us like it, it almost puts us in the orca's point of view so that we understand it better. So even if you feel for Nolan, you still can't dismiss how the orca feels. I also want to kind of jump back to the interesting point about our Indigenous character, Jacob, in this film. Just yes. because, like, Kelly and I, we recently, a couple of months ago, did Indigenous Horror, and we were talking about, you know, Indigenous roles in horror films and stuff like that. And this tends to happen a lot with Indigenous characters, where they come in as the wise man yeah. like the, they're coming in yeah. to bring the warning to the white man about what has happened and how you need to correct your ways and we can help you and he's sympathetic to nolan like he even like gets on the boat with nolan to go i'm like you don't need to go with him jacob this yeah. is not you the don't need to die for this guy you don't I need mean, to respond to that <laughs> no one needs to get in the boat and do anything no, no one can just leave. Off by himself <laughs> but but it's interesting because aboriginal cultures have this relationship with the land they have the relationship with right. nature they understand what is happening and you know but they're being used as the way of passing on that knowledge 
knowledge over to Nolan being like, you fucked up. This is what the gods will mm-hmm. have. This is what will happen. And But at the same time, too, he's using language like monster, like, which is yeah. like, which I felt was kind of like problematic as well, because yeah, it's like, I well, now like it. it didn't like that because like, clearly he wouldn't say that. Like, it's mm-hmm. not a monster. You, you, you know, you, you, this is co- your colonial ways have now once again done some damage and now way everyone else has to pay for it in the at the end like this village this town has to pay for it because this orca is pissed off and is now ruining any kind of source of revenue for these people but i thought it was really interesting that the people who are pushing the warnings to nolan and the crew are the aboriginal character is our our feminine or female character the researcher the woman yeah. you know always intent like we you know we're supposed to be connected to nature and the natural environment so it'd be that voice of reason like all these characters having to come around to let the, the the white man know what you've done is wrong and you need to account for your actions yeah i do think we should give it credit though as much as i didn't love all of the aspects of the representation the fact that they actually cast an indigenous yes. actor yes. william sampson jr to play an indigenous character in 1977 is pretty good it's yeah this film for 1977 like i will say it's kind of, it's pretty progressive considering is, like yeah. so we have jaws earlier right which does the, yeah. the complete opposite completely demonizes sharks right and we mean and this is where this idea of how the media treats animals and this misinformation to people about what animals are of how these sea creatures exist in the water you know creating this fear right and that's what happened with jaws that whole fear factor yeah. that came from it well and that's why though like looking at the reception at the time because it did, this orca did not get a positive reception and so it. much it was just boiled down to it's a rip of jaws and i was like so I mean, lazy i hate the criticism I, it's so lazy you're capitalizing yes. on the success of jaws by doing another aquatic horror film sure. yes but this film does so much to distinguish itself from jaws on mm-hmm. top of even winking to that influence by killing a great white shark in the in the opening 20 minutes yeah like <laughs> this to me is more of an example of eco horror than outright horror. Yes. And, and that's yes. not Jaws is, is straight up horror for me. So if the, the aspect of film criticism where I'm like, oh God, y'all are just being lazy. Like y'all aren't seeing yes. like I mean, is Orca a perfect movie? No. No. But Am I writing it off as a Jaws ripoff? Absolutely not. Like, no. ah, there's just so much more to this than that. And it really, like, makes me feel shitty about all those film critics at the time. <laughs> <laughs> 1977, do better. Here's another kind of fun question that I have for you folks. Aquatic horror. Isn't this really technically home invasion horror? Come on, we're invading their space. Reverse Humans home invasion. Not... <laughs> this is a home invasion horror. Humans should not go into space. We should not go into the water. <laughs> All we do is just destroy and harm and mess everything up. We're so meddlesome. But yeah, mm-hmm. home invasion horror. Oh my gosh. I love <laughs> the amount of destruction that this orca wreaks on this small town to the point where the yep. town says, hey, buddy, you need to fucking deal with this because we're now <laughs> at risk of like not being able to even support ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have no I boats. Mean- it scared away all the fish. It ruptured a gas line and exploded. <laughs> <laughs> when it blows up yes. the gas pipe, I was like, this is a That's smart fucking amazing. whale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh- yeah. But honestly, can we talk about this Bo Derek scene? Because this was the moment oh. I was like, this movie's pretty solid. I'm enjoying it. And then her sequence with this house on stilts, I was just like, Ugh. this could be an all timer for me. It's a great sequence. I mean, again, culminating in the only moment of real like gore in the movie, if you mm. want to call it that, when it bites her leg off. But I was just like, I mean, it's it's a great suspenseful scene. Like I, I was admittedly, this is the one scene of the movie I had seen before ah, I saw this movie. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. That, but it wasn't ruined for me. Even in context, I still liked it. But like, yeah, this is two thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> One leg off. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I agree. I didn't expect where it was going to go. Because like, I didn't even know that the house at first was on this water thing, right? So when I saw the orca start swimming under it, and then I went and clued in what was going to happen, I was like, oh, how is this going to go down? <laughs> I honestly thought that she was going to go all the way into his mouth. So I'm actually kind of yes. happy that it just oh, was yeah. just like, you know, it took her leg. Because that was still- yeah, she didn't deserve still- to die. <laughs> She didn't deserve to die, like, right? It's really effective, which is really sucks. So that there's a lot of people in this movie who didn't deserve to die. Nope. You know, a lot of deaths happen unnecessarily because of Nolan's actions. Mm-hmm. He's like, just spray the fetus off the boat. Oh, oh my oh, god. So upsetting. I was like, not expecting wow. to see that. <laughs> I was not expecting that entire scene. Like I said, like Kelly said, like the first 30 minutes or so of this film, you're just like, I'm going to cry because this is just really upsetting all around. Yeah. Well, and then matched with cry. the sounds of the orca mm-hmm. crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like almost even like too much. You know, again, this was, there were times I was like, this is very dramatic. Mm-hmm. And again, normally I'm not into it, but I don't know. I was very much sold on this movie. And thank you for bringing up this this idea that people keep calling this as Jaws ripoff. Even when posting about it, that announcing this this movie with 47 meters down that we were going to watch, like the amount of people that even like commented or they when I post on Instagram that I was watching it, it was like Jaws ripoff. I'm like, I haven't seen Jaws uh. in a long time, but I really think that's not correct. Like I really no, disagree no. with you. I want to rewatch, but I was like. There's a lot to this movie, and I don't like when people just immediately call movies like there's all the like so glib, alien right? ripoffs. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. come on though. They can, yeah, like, they can is... stand on their own two feet as well. Yeah, yeah. And I watched uh, Joss recently this summer because I was showing my uh, my nibbling non gender yep. term for niece and nephew. I was showing them Jaws. They wanted to watch Jaws for the first time, and I watched it. Didn't realize that movie was two hours long. This movie mm-hmm. gets a nice yeah. bonus for me because it's a nice hour and a Nine, half. I'm, but yeah. both of these movies long. we watch are yeah. ninety yes. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect, perfect timing, perfect pace. <laughs> Jaws, yep. but watching it, I was just like, "Oh wow, they really!" And then, and then watching this film, like, "Oh wow, they really demonized Jaws in that movie because we have no idea why Jaws is doing what mm-hmm. they're doing, why the shark is uh, just well, randomly attacking people, and all of a sudden this town's like, let's kill the shark,' or you yep. know, because our tourists fail. For for as many times as people describe, and no shade to Ridley Scott's Alien because mm-hmm. I love that movie, but as sure. often as we say that Alien is Jaws in space, why does that not get the moniker of a Jaws ripoff? Because mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. it's not in the water. Hmm, no. Okay, but it's Jaws in space. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I get the desire. Like we've all written about film. We talk about film on the regular. It's an easy way to describe a film to mm-hmm. people if you're trying to get them to get excited about it, or you're giving yeah. them a quick little logline. Right? It's this plus this, or it's yeah. this in this. That totally makes sense. But I just think when, especially if people haven't seen something or they haven't seen it in a while. Mm-hmm. Your first reaction shouldn't be to diminish something by saying, oh, well, it's a pale imitation of something else. Like this started as a cash grab, very obviously. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. somebody watched Jaws, the the De Laurentiis or whatever, watched Jaws, and then they were like, cool, let's make our own. But then they put in the work to distinguish it. And I think that's where our, it grates mm-hmm. on me. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. But also, if you haven't seen Alligator, I would say that Alligator and Orca are the two films that yeah. are like most mm-hmm. in need of a rediscovery and a reappraisal by contemporary aquatic horror fans. It's like, if you haven't seen those two films, 
they're really really good okay. have you seen because the, the other one i always hear lumped in with those is um tentacles i've never seen tentacles but i've oh. heard that that one is another like jaws quote-unquote ripoff okay oh. I have oh. tentacles is on tubi here in canada anyways it was oh, on my list okay. it's actually a lot of a quote aquatic mm-hmm. horror like eco horror on tubi so definitely Thank folks checking that for out tubi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I will say though the, the tubi selections are probably going to be a bit more of the dicey quality range but true <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did mention Humanoids from the Deep earlier. Mm -hmm. That's a Roger Corman film. Oh my gosh. I should note it is rapey. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, because it's interesting because you like we kind of just focus on like two areas of aquatic horror, kind of like the animal, like the animal creature kind of feature Mm -hmm. with like actual sea, real I see animals, you know. And then we had earlier talking about 47 meters down. We were talking about like that deep water, just like what could the dangers. But there's also this other side of aquatic horror that gets into like the creatures that live in the Mm -hmm. sea that we would never have discovered. Right. And like you like you said, humanoids from the deep or like a creature from the black lagoon but then i'm thinking of like i went the other route the other night of watching like mythological like sea creatures mm-hmm. so like blood tide and dagon oh, you know dagon. or uh, yep. like michigan the like michigan monster like dealing with like that mystical idea of like those hiding in the deep sea and what can come out i i love mm-hmm. that aspect of that's where like i love aquatic horror because i like that goes in so right. i'm really i just did a quick look of tentacles okay. it's 1977 so same year as mm-hmm. oh, hey. it's an italian director of video mm-hmm. gs Asinitis, but the stars of this film John Houston, Shelley Winters, and Henry Fonda. What? (laughs) And it's about a giant octopus terrorizing a coastal sea town. Oh, wow. There it is. I like octopuses, so I have to watch that. That's exciting. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to watch it now. (laughs) Oh, oh God. Hmm. But it has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. See, that just means that nobody's reviewed it, though, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? If the four of us get together, we can change that. We can change that, yeah. Um, Well, I'm really glad that you both like this, because I I was a little worried. Like, Orca, to me, feels like a bit of an unconventional pick for people. I'm always worried that it's going to be a little too slow, a little too dramatic for people, especially if they're looking for some more kind of high octane thrills. If it had been two hours, I probably would have thought. <laughs> yeah, that's um, But honestly, like this felt paced very well for me. Again, admittedly, I was prime going in like, oh, it's talkier. But because of that, there was actually way more Orca action than I was expecting right. walking into this movie. Yeah, no, I get, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised on this. So to start wrapping up our conversation here. So Joe, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but any other recommendations for for folks for like either very effective or like fun entertaining like aquatic horror type stuff you're right Jess we kind of kind of branched into two different areas of aquatic horror which I thought was really fun and like not even intentional but I thought it was really great so there's because I spent a bunch of this month also re-watching some movies watching some new ones so yeah does anybody let's throw out some other kind of recommendations of like really solid aquatic horror movies Trace do you want to go first? Oh god Mine are going to be like the standard ones, but um, I will always go to bat for Anaconda, Deep Blue mm-hmm. yeah. Sea. I'm going to steal Joe's Deep Rising. Um, <laughs> oh my God, Joe, Deep Rising. Deep Rising is so good. As you already said, Crawl's a great modern one. The Shallows, I think, is an excellent aquatic mm-hmm. horror film. Both versions of Piranha, original or remake. Although I've never seen James Cameron's sequel with the flying piranha, and I've always been curious too. Oh, <laughs> Actually, I'm going to steal some of Trace's because he's talked a big game about bait, which is sharks Ooh. in a supermarket. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fun. <laughs> 
There's also a really good found footage film that I think we talked about on that Aquatic Horror Minnesota Trace, uh, The Bay, which is like a contagion mm, meets yeah. aquatic mm. horror. And that one is a fucking gnarly. Like the, yeah. the practical effects as people get infected is gross. Yeah. That, oh, I forgot. I always, I, I, I want to rewatch that soon, actually, because I've only seen it the mm-hmm. one time, but I remember like it really like sticking with me afterwards. Yeah, wow. very visceral. I love the found footage element of it. So now I was like, okay, that goes up on the list. And that's um, oh god, it's not Steven Soderbergh, but it's like I think it's Barry Sonnenfeld. It is Barry Sonnenfeld. It. Yeah, yeah. To which you're just like, wait, what? Him? <laughs> um, I guess like if oh, I god, wait, 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 wait. sorry, oh, Barry Levinson, Barry, Barry Levinson. Levinson. <laughs> so the the guy that did Good Morning Vietnam, Rain Man, and Wag the Dog directed this 2012 found footage like eco aquatic horror movie. Whoa. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I don't necessarily always go into aquatic horror just because like, yeah, it's kind of like if I really want to be scared or nervous or anxious, that's the stuff I will go into. But there are some films that I have seen that I enjoy. Like um, there's The Beach House, which is oh, aquatic yes. horror. I oh, really, yeah. I that's really cosmic like- too. Mm-hmm. exactly and i guess like i said like for me i really like that mythological sea creature type thing so like obviously like i always recommend dagon if people want to have a good fun time or with like a nice micro budget horror film the lake michigan monster is a lot of fun it does kind of like go off the rails at the end as it's supposed to but it has that cosmic horror element to it that i that i like because obviously with cosmic horror you get both like you can get into space but you can also get into the deep dark oceans mm-hmm. a, a, like aka cthulhu type stuff right Ooh, underwater is a good either. one too i feel like underwater in like five years we're gonna come back around on it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. let's see so definitely i actually re-watched piranha today joe dante's yes. piranha yeah. and oh boy so that fun. is that is a yeah, it is a fun. choice it is <laughs> but like the re- it's really effective and it's really interesting and again, well paced. And again, it's like 90 minutes, which I, oh, again, I really respect and appreciate 90 minutes or less movies. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trace, if the Orca was two hours, I'd probably be mad at you. Uh, <laughs> but it's not. Uh, so Piranha, love Piranha 3D. Um, one of my favorite summer horror movies. Such a campy splatter fest. Um, I even own it. I would say horror adjacent, uh, The Abyss, because yes. holy moly, that movie scares <sighs> the hell out of me anyways. But uh, love of the abyss it is long so i haven't rewatched it yet some might call godzilla some eco horror yeah you know he's, sure. a, yeah. he's a monster from the deep that comes yeah. up in attacks towns so i would say those for sure i i watched one for the first time this month that i like to call it's called it's an italian one island of the fishmen okay <laughs> which uh, i thought was Don't know really that one. interesting i that one's like an island of dr moreau oh my god here's the whole thing of like comparing things to get people interested (laughs) i read a synopsis or a description of it it was like island of dr moreau meets whatever and i was like oh okay i'm interested so it was a bunch of like people in creature suits which i i have a i have a good time with that Mm -hmm. i I, yeah like i always said like it's i find with the animal tax movies is is tough for me to to watch i don't often go to those types of movies i kind of like the they're either like alien creatures Mm -hmm. or some kind of like you know, yeah. nuclear disasters created this, like, again, it's kind of like Godzilla, but created this monster or it's an alien, yep. like the abyss. So I kind of am more interested in those ones. But overall, I'd say like everything that you guys have already mentioned and those couple I mentioned are some pretty solid, solid flicks. I'll throw one more in. This is one that Joe and I have been mentioning a lot. It's really just the first half of the movie I like because it goes off the rails after the second half, but it's um Sphere. Oh, oh God. Okay. I'm so overdue for a rewatch. That cast is everything. 
I really want to read the book because I've heard the book is really good. I love the book. Um, love the but book. like, I mean, we've got like jellyfish eating Queen Latifah in Speed. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. <laughs> it's the best wow. sequence in the film. Be warned, it it but... is. And that's the one I, I remember as a kid. It came out in 98. I was nine years old. And that was when they showed in all because Queen Latifah was doing press for it, I guess. And that was always the scene they showed was her getting attacked by the jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> and now we've arrived at Spencer's final thoughts, this time over a nice warm cup of tea provided by our sponsor, Brutalities. Hey, Jeff. What's that in your mug over there? It's a wicked cup of chai put a spell on you. And what are you drinking in your goblet of doom? You're such a spinster. I'm drinking a headbanging cup of hell raisin. You know, I really love how many tea blends Brutalities offers. Yes, and what really stood out to me was not only their tasty teas, but their spooky or metal-inspired names. With Chai the 13th and Children of the Candy Corn, Brutalities are really a perfect match made in... So go to Brutalities.com to grab some for yourself with listener code SPINSTER15 to get 15% off your purchase. For Canadian fans, please contact them directly before ordering for shipping quotes. So now that we have our tea, let's put these spirits to rest. And we'll start with our honorary spinsters today. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really fun to watch the two of these back to back because they feel of a kin, but at the same time, they're very, very different. Like you can sense the modernness of 47 meters down, but I think it's just such a thrill ride, like the direction and the way all of the scares work in that movie makes it a really like propulsive kind of high octane film. And then there's something a little bit slower, more more almost just melancholy, like you leave Orca Mm -hmm. feeling a little bit depressed, even though there are some great set pieces. So it's an interesting kind of palate cleanser. But yeah, I I love both of these films unabashedly. I'm in the exact same boat. And again, even Orca being a first time watch for me, like I found myself very uh, unexpectedly emotionally connected to to the drama. We said like it's kind of melodramatic, but honestly, I was invested in the melodrama. So it never felt too over the top for me, even though again, like as we said, like the, the, the events may be a little... Uh, requiring a lot of suspension <laughs> of disbelief but whatever like as long as you make that leap like you're in for the movie and yeah 47 meters down i have long like praise this movie i you're think like an og defender of that film yeah i'm an og <laughs> defender of this movie i remember when i was coming to theaters i was talking the fuck out of it and i was a little worried going to revisit because i was like fuck what if it doesn't hold up as well for me and i'm happy to report it that does. even though yes it has flaws it is so goddamn effective that i don't care yeah. <laughs> so, it's a thrill ride it's a thrill ride well first off for my spinsters final thoughts i want to say a big massive thing Thank you to Trace and Joe, the horror queers, for joining us on this wet and wild adventure. You're a constant inspiration and joy to have in the horror community and podcasting world. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'll jump on thank all that. You so, much. Yeah. Uh, so, aquatic horror can be thrilling and scary. It can make you feel existential dread or a reason to stand with your feet firmly planted onto the ground. But media also affects how we view ourselves, other species, our environment, and more. It can skew our perceptions and harm others. So, we need to continue to think critically about what we are consuming and keep our wits about us. Humans have this infuriating superiority complex and the constant drive to dominate, decimate, and destroy. We also have such strong desire to explore because we are a naturally curious species. But, in my opinion, to our detriment. The planet isn't ours alone. We share it with about 8.7 million other species. And we're also in the midst of Earth's sixth mass extinction crisis. 
Harvard biologist E.O. Wilson estimates that 30,000 species per year, or about three species per hour, are being driven to extinction. And that is a stat from the Center for Biological Diversity. Horror has this uncanny ability to not only entertain me, but to remind me of issues facing the surrounding world. If you let it, horror can enrich your life beyond the scares. All right. And so for me, my final thoughts around aquatic horror this month, once again, it has me being introspective about myself and about my own fears and why I have these fears of the deep, dark ocean and its deep depths. And learning about the conditions, the phobia that exists around aquatic horror makes me understand more why I don't seek out this this, this piece of genre, especially the parts that deal with the ocean and how it is so beautiful and it's so vast. And it reminds me of just all these wonderful things that exist within our earth that we don't have have any knowledge about which but I agree with Kelly sometimes we don't need to have that knowledge about because there are things that are a little bit more superior in this earth that at the end of the day we just need to have a little bit more respect for and I feel like in our natural world these days we're starting to see more and more of that coming out that the earth has sat around and watched us trying to figure things out and find and we've started to really fuck around and we're now we're starting to find out some of the consequences of our actions when we don't take into account how the things that we do in our planet have consequences for the our actions and you know a film like 47 meters down is like really great time to watch and is a really great horror film but at the same time too also reminds me that things that i should need to be cautious about and be aware of and the things i want when i do when i go out traveling but also you know dealing with the ocean and dealing how something could change in a heartbeat and having that knowledge and experience and information is really important to have when you're dealing with the ocean because it is water and it is a power and it's a force within itself. And what I really appreciate about watching Orca was that it was different from Jaws. Aquatic horror that deal with animals is because I they really bother me how we're getting this misinformation about these animals in these films and how it creates this perception of animals and we have this fear that drives us. But I like how Orca kind of brought out this narrative about what can happen when we are not careful of what we do in nature. And there's this conservation aspect aspect of these films. And so I'm looking forward to seeing if we can really work with having films that have a better nature uh, element with animals in these films. So that ends our episode on aquatic horror and talking about the two movies, Orca and 47 Meters Down. Once again, thank you so much, Joe and Trace from the Horror Chris podcast. We had so much fun talking to you guys with this film. You guys brought up so many great, inspiring insights. And we also just love your podcast. We've also not only like content creators alongside you, but we're also big fans as well of your, what you guys have been putting out there. So where can everyone find you? If they can't, if they don't know who you are, but I hope they do know who you are. <laughs> Uh, yes, people can follow us on various social media platforms at Horror Queers. And we also do have a Patreon, as we've mentioned, which is just patreon.com slash horrorqueers. And if folks were to try out a couple of our episodes, there's probably two we would recommend. There's one on Bride of Chucky, and there's one on The Hunger. <laughs> we have really great guests for those episodes. Ah, uh, yes, those are great episodes. Fantastic. So we want to thank Dance with the Dead for our new intro and outro music, Kiss of the Creature, and for all you listeners, and we remind you to follow us on our website, spinstersofhorror.com. We're also on all social media. We're on threads, no longer on Twitter slash X. You'll find us 
on Threads, Facebook, and IG. Just search for Spencers of Horror. And we also have a Facebook group called the Spencers of Horror Coven. We're on Letterboxd, so just search for Horror Spinsters. YouTube, search for Spencers of Horror. And Jess has a book club. So please private message Jess or us uh, and on Spencers of Horror for a Discord server link if you'd like to join her horror book club. As well, please rate, review, subscribe to us, our spin on your podcast on any podcasting app you use. Please visit TeePublic to purchase our merch. We just dropped new merch, folks. It is epic. It is mental. Mental. It's metal and metal. (laughs) Uh, So please go check that out. Next month, we are heading back to the 1960s for part two of our Know Your Roots, The Origins of Horror, with the birth of the zombie movie and focusing a bit more down on international horror. But until then, remember, the future of fear is female.